Hi. I love our men's Bible study on Saturday morning for one hour. Uh, Jerry was taking us through John, and I love how Jesus is became being grace and truth. And the grace of God is who is with us right now in where whatever we may be going through. But truth is what he brings to us about how he wants us to change and what needs to change in us. And it's that truth that we receive, but it's the grace of God that allows us to receive the truth and then change. And I want to talk about cleansing streams today. And my title of my message is Why Cleansing Streams? You know, for it's probably been over two years, we've been talking on our advisory board and uh, about cleansing streams. And it's, it's just something that uh, has been established for a number of years to help people really get more free. You know, a lot of times when we get saved, maybe a lot of us could get up and share today what happened when we got saved. I, I've told the congregation before and some of you visitors today, but my dad was a World War II veteran. He suffered with post-traumatic uh, battle fatigue, whatever you want to call it, and depression, and he came back and started a family. He was an alcoholic, and he couldn't get enough tobacco to satisfy his nicotine uh, cravings, and so he was inhaling cigars. But he was invited to a little Baptist church on the east side of San Jose, and he went, and he got saved and delivered from tobacco and alcohol. But there was other things that remained in my father's life that he really never had enough teaching about to see that he needed strongholds broken in his life, especially about depression and the different things he went through being a World War II veteran. And so cleansing stream is kind of that thing where, like the children of Israel, you know, they would go from one experience to the other. And cleansing streams is something we're trying to involve the whole church. Any visitors, you're welcome to, if you feel like you want to participate, you're welcome. But it's, we're going through as a body, just like uh, Israel was taken through different situations and different seasons where they were going against, uh, going into the promised land where there were different strongholds, different giants in those places that were standing against what God wanted to do and how God wanted to bless them. But as they banded together and they went forward in that realm of the Holy Spirit, there was victory for the whole group. And the strongholds that withstood them were broken. And I know a lot of times in, our, in the different areas of in, our, in our life, we are breaking strongholds, we're fighting addictions, we're fighting different things. But they're just something collective. When we come together, there's a greater strength and a greater unity to break the strongholds. And hopefully, uh, at the end of my message, you might be a little bit more encouraged about cleansing streams. So why cleansing streams? <clears throat> I have to be honest. I've been a Christian for over 50 years and been in church my whole life. And part of it, I'm thinking like, why cleansing streams? Come on, how much more has to happen? And I felt like God just really even dealt with me this last week about, hey, there's more areas to take back. There's more territory even for you to let God deal with. And so I was got really excited that there's more changes that are going on for me. So often as Christians, we're waiting for an encounter with God. We come in our personal time with the Lord or we come together in the body and sometimes we go through seasons of routine and we don't see anything happen. But it's our continually coming together, our continually seeking to God together and individually 
where we are setting up for that next place and the next time where there's a supernatural breakthrough where our mind, will, and emotions, and even the visual, we see things happen. We see miracles. We see the things that we've been praying for all of a sudden dealt with and changed. We can look back at different things in the Bible and see how God did things for Israel, even though they had to pray and, and they were in seasons of bondage for a long time. But then all of a sudden there was a clear-cut div dividing line and things changed, like coming out of Egypt and having the Red Sea parted or seeing Joshua and that generation cross the Jordan River and begin to accept and uh, possess the promised land. You know, for us as Christians, we're thinking sometimes, well, what else can change? We get stuck in that rut. We, we don't see things happening, and we just kind of settle into this place of just being passive and, and kind of like being kind of neutral in our faith. The world has a saying, been there, done that. Got the T-shirt, or I'm wearing the T-shirt. We can get that as Christians, too. We can settle back and, and uh, put up with things that we know they're just not quite right. They're just, they don't quite man match the truth of who Jesus is and the grace of God that comes to bring transformation to our life. <coughs> I think of King David. Again, we read the stories about him fighting Goliath, of him uh, growing up and him being able to play music and how he, he played and the Holy Spirit moved and uh, the evil spirit that was on Saul departed. We see him go and fight giants and uh, bring Israel into this great victory. We see him grow up and seeing uh, being, being a man of God and everything that he went through. Then we see him being a king and uh, conquering nations and pushing back the Philistines and getting great honor and wealth for Israel and seeing Israel become really strong. And then we read that he murders someone and steals their wife. <coughs> And then we read about the horrible generational consequences that came upon David's family for his sin of murder and disobedience. Would you say with me that David needed further cleansing? <laughs> it wasn't just a done deal when he was following the Lord and he had a heart after God, but there was the character defects inside of him, the sin nature that had to be dealt with where he needed further cleansing. Then we, we see that uh, God has prophets in the Old Testament like Nathan, where there was spiritual accountability for kings and for the people. And in 2 uh, Samuel 12, 1 through 14, you can read the story. And it's said that by theologians and people who have really studied the scriptures that David went through this time from murdering Uriah and taking Bathsheba as his wife, that there was like a nine-month period that it seemed like David was riding under the radar for his sin. And so in that, that text of 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 14, David, David confront is confronted by Nathan by a little story, a story about a rich man who steals one young ewe lamb from a poor man. And when David hears the story, he becomes very angry about the, the poor man who was robbed by the rich man. And in 2 Samuel 12, 7, this is an incredible verse, Nathan says to David, you are the man. And so he's confronted about his sin. Spiritual authority is now in his face, and he's confronted about an area of, big area of defects in his character and the sin that he has committed. And just like in the New Testament, the, the apostles established the New Testament church, and Paul wrote many of the scriptures. We see, like in Ephesians 4, that Apostles, prophets, pastors, and evangelists, and teachers are all part of the body of Christ to 
establish and strengthen and cause the body of Christ to have uh, spiritual leadership and rulership over them so they can grow and be perfected and changed and they can deal with their character defects. And they provide that growth in holiness of which Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, no one will see God. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's by the grace of God because all of us know we're not holy on our own. But we've been made holy by what Jesus did on the cross. He's established and seated us in that place of holiness, just like we went through that last series, that we are holy in God's eyes through Christ. We are living in this life right now. We are being perfected in holiness by the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And someday when we die and we're done with this old nature, we will be holy, total spirit, soul, and body. David repents. You might say Nathan provided a cleansing stream for David. David experienced conviction and his need for cleansing. David came to know God's mercy. It's one thing, have you ever been going along good and you've never really needed mercy, but then find something goes on in your life or you do something and you find that you need mercy. Ever, ever that happened to anybody where you're confronted with the need for mercy? In Psalms 51, David has come to that place after conviction and going through the heavy dealings of God after he was confronted with his sin. Very familiar uh, Psalms in Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. He's already coming knowing he's guilty of sin, but he's reminding God of his loving kindness. And he's reminding God that according to his multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And the transgressions are a breaking of trust, a breaking of relationship that even though David was a man after God's heart, there was something happened before that, that sin and during that nine months before he was confronted, that he was walking apart from God. He wasn't walking under the conviction or relationship because if he was, he would have been convicted earlier. He would have felt the sorrow from that sin. Also, transgressions have to do with our rebellion, the actions of our rebellion when we're doing things that are contrary to what we know the word of God says. Cleansing streams gives us a focused opportunity for that, to see those areas of rebellion, to see those attitudes, to see those things where we've become religious and we're not dealing with deeper truths that God's trying to change our character and remold us. Cleansing streams are about appropriating the freedom that we know we need and we want. David's response to conviction, verse 2, wash me thoroughly from iniquity. That word iniquity means our sin bent. We're all born with a sin nature. And the things that you know about yourself that you you say, I'm not going to do this, and then you do it. I talked to you guys a few weeks ago about how my son wants to do this thing uh, with Fitness Pal about counting our calories and losing weight. And I tell you, just having that thing on my phone, I am struggling more more than I have ever struggled about not eating so many calories a day. But I, I find that because I'm even using something that's telling me, count your calories, do, you're doing good, count your exercise, I realize I need God. Because my bent, my bent to eat is stronger than my will. And that's that part of iniquity. That's a part of our own nature that the Holy Spirit wants to help each one of us in the areas that we are aware of to let God have his way 
And what happens when we let God have his way and we change? Another part of us moves over into the kingdom of God. Another part of our soul is restored and renewed and it's aligned and it has an allegiance with Christ and our faith gets even stronger. Okay, so I acknowledge my transgressions, the act against God's law, and my sin is always before me. Verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Again, like I said a minute ago, everyone is born with that sin nature. And David confesses this in verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That's that place where Adam and Eve sinned. They brought the whole world under sin and transgressions. And even though we have not sinned according to the same sins that Adam and Eve sinned, their sin nature is passed upon all of us through the blood of Adam. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. And this is what we're attempting to do as we're focusing on the truths that are going to be brought up in cleansing streams, and then the small groups when we start confessing and, and feeling safe and we're talking about things that everyone struggles with, there comes the freedom. The promises in James that we confess our faults one to another and pray one for another, we're healed, we're transformed, and we're changed. And again, this is according to how we feel safe and what we feel like the Holy Spirit is helping us to say what we need help for or confess what we feel like we, we need to be forgiven for. Purge me with hyssop. Hyssop was uh, like a, a plant they dipped in blood and would apply from the animal sacrifices, appropriating forgiveness of sin in the Old Testament. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. As we begin to see things about ourselves that we're not happy, all we, one of the things we do is like we say, God, please forgive me. I believe that your blood cleanses me from all sin because you died on the cross for these sins. Even these ones I'm now starting to really look at. You already died and paid to free me from this. Now, Lord, wash me. Take this thing out. Change me. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. How often do we just feel grieved about something that we, we can't seem to get free from? And it blocks us from receiving and believing that the joy that the Holy Spirit promises because he's in us is our portion. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Again, those natural tendencies that easily vents to sin that we all struggle with. The desire and cleansing stream. Verse 10 of Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart. That return, you know, sometimes we we struggle, we struggle, and we just almost like we push to the side things that we know we, we can't change that we should change. And we live this life that's kind of separated from God, where we know, we wish we were, were different, but we're not. And there's this separation or this distance in our heart from connecting with God. And David is at, is at that place because, you know, he was convicted, because he was confronted, that he's able to say, create in me a clean heart. There's a humbleness in David. There's a humbleness that's going to happen to us at different times during this uh, Cleansing Stream program where although it's a program, that although it's established, the truths and the, and the way the Holy Spirit's going to use it in us is going to bring a brokenness of our heart. It's going to bring a transformation in those areas that we desire to change. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
God hears those kind of prayers. Why? Because they're prayers according to his will. They're prayers that we're aligning our will with God. And any time we do that, God moves to bring change to our lives. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. What a real prayer that is. But how often do we, in this day and age, walk with the consciousness that Jesus is in us, that we are now the Ark of the Covenant, and yet the presence of God is far from us because we're regarding iniquity, we're regarding something that's not right, and God wants to change. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Anytime we have a breakthrough, there's a renewed place of a witness in us and there's a new testimony that we have to share with someone that God is a God who who does the impossible and does the miraculous and it's something we can share with someone else. Deliver me from guilt of bloodshed. O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. Have you ever offered something else to God because you know there's something that you you can't seem to get right with him? Those are the sacrifices God doesn't want. He wants the truth in our inward places. He wants us to be honest. He wants us to offer him what we know he wants. And even if you feel like you can't do it, part of that step of faith is saying, God, I want to give this to you. This is not right. I want to change. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. I think sometimes it takes time to get in brokenness. Sometimes you have to wait before God, really seeing yourself and really Uh, acknowledging those things that you know are not right. But when that softness comes, when that brokenness begins to happen, everything feels a whole lot better. You, You unload the burden of sin. You load the weight of guilt that you're carrying, and God transforms us. Saved people are vulnerable. Think of Peter. What great examples God gives us of people who needed continual work in their life. I can't imagine walking with Jesus for three and a half years, seeing the miracles, even Jesus doing miracles through those apostles and disciples, and yet they had some major things that needed to be worked on. And supper being ended in John 13, 2-8, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things to him into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God. Jesus rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had girded around him. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. What had happened? Why had Peter had this arrogance where he did not need to be washed? It showed something had set into Peter. Again, that familiarity. He knew how to do what Jesus had taught him. He knew how to walk in faith. He had walked on water. He had uh, brought healing to people. And he felt proud He did not want Jesus to wash his feet. That area in his heart was exposed. 
when Jesus confronted him about that. And Jesus said to him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And what that, that section of Scripture signifies is our constant need for cleansing, that our heart is close to God, and not just this part of familiarity where, yeah, we're friends, but there's no intimacy, there's no heart connection. Kind of reminds us about how easy it is to be complacent about our worship experience, our prayer, our Bible reading, that it can become so mechanical. We have, we are the kind of people that we learn something, we just do it automatically. But everything that God wants to do is all about relationship. And so it causes us to be brought back into constant dependency upon him and interaction with him. Also, what Peter example was the self-righteousness. Hey, I've been walking with you three and a half years. I'm good. I don't need you to wash my feet. It's so easy to to separate from being dependent on the loving God and the loving relationship with Jesus. God's will for Christian Christians is was brought to us even by Micah six eight. He has shown you, O people of God, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, your heavenly Father. Communion was issued, issued, initiated, and uh, Mark explains it in 14, verses 22 through 24. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it. And he gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Again, all these disciples, three and a half years of walking with Jesus, he initiated the Lord's Supper with them. It was the closest, most intimate time with Jesus. They were probably more spiritually correct, and probably, you know, after you take communion, don't you always feel so close to God? You've confessed any sin. You, you've made your declaration. I want to be closer to you. I want to walk with you. When we, when we walk out the doors today, we're going to feel so tight with Jesus. But here's Mark 14, 50, after the disciples had taken communion the same night. Then all Jesus' disciples forsook him and fled. <laughs> it isn't unusual to walk with the Lord as disciples and have a fall. This is why we need each other. We need God. We need cleansing streams. We need that accountability to keep walking in the light as Jesus is in the light. All the more reason to continually have cleansing. Our key verse for today is Psalms 139, 23-24. Thank you, Dean. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That makes it personal. Sometimes we can judge people. We can judge people in the church. And really, we shouldn't be judging anyone because Jesus took all of our sins on the cross, and he's the judge. But when we say, search me, and when you take communion today, as you'll say, God, search me. Search me thoroughly. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Have you ever prayed this way? That's kind of scary. Judge me. Search me. It's usually scary for us to have any kind of judgment. If someone close to us says something in correcting us, we get all offensive. If my wife says something about me, I get all offended. I get all up because I don't want to be corrected. 
It's that natural bit in us. But here, the psalmist is telling us, search me. Do Be the first one to say, God, put me out there. Put me to the test. See if there's anything that needs to be adjusted in me. Try me and know my thoughts. Would you be happy to have all your thoughts put up on the screen right now? No. <laughs> Verse 24, and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me. You know, sometimes as Christians we think, okay, I'm convicted of something that's not right or a wickedness or a thought. And we're afraid of that. But when those things come up or when you see or when you have a thought or when something comes up out of your heart, that's when we say, Jesus, will you please take this? This is an unrighteous thought. This is a wicked thought. This is an evil heart. I'm in relationship with you and you went to the cross for my sins. I give you this. This is something I don't want. You know, the enemy, he sends thoughts to us and then he condemns you about those thoughts and he wants you to own those thoughts. But no, we're, we're righteous by the blood of Jesus. We belong to Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. It is God who lives in us. So we transfer those thoughts to him. No, God, wash me. If there's a root in this, if Satan has put this thought in my, thought, in my mind, God, cleanse me of it. If it's something in my heart, God, cleanse me of that thought that comes from my heart. Make my heart clean and pure. We would all like to believe that we are fine. Being in relationship tells me I'm not. My wife reminds me I have a lot of work that has to be done. Paul the Apostle in Romans 7.14, I love this verse. Paul confessed this, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So he was dealing with the old nature. Even though he was dead in trespasses and sin through bl blood of Jesus and through water baptism, he had to deal with a man who wanted to be resurrected every day. The old man wants to be resurrected every day, and he wants to be boss, and he wants to do things that we know are contrary to the word of God. But we have to keep dragging him dead every day and keep dealing with our heart with God. In Philippians 3.12, Paul goes on to say this about himself. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold on me. You know what? What do we have? What's the call in our life? Your call is to, you're going to go to heaven, but your call is to be a witness your call is to share what your story is with others. Your experiences with Christ that are profoundly, uh, will profoundly affect them and penetrate them with a powerful gospel message that will also allow them to accept Christ and they might begin their journey. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to decree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. We all have some things that we need to wrestle out with God. We have some strongholds and some inheritance, some land that we need to possess. We need some to evict some things out of our land that we might obtain our inheritance. We are being conformed into the image of Christ. In Psalms 19, 12, Psalm from David, 
Cleanse me. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. You know, you could be going along in this cleansing stream and find that there's some deeper things that have different fruit and different roots, but they're secret faults. And the way the Holy Spirit is always drawing us deeper and going deeper is because he's perfecting and working that holiness. And don't be shocked if you see something. But rest assured, it is Jesus. It is the power of the Holy Spirit pushing things up so that you can recognize them and allow God to eradicate them from your heart. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26, Paul reminds us, Christ gave himself for us that we might be continually washed by the water of his word. The word washes over us because it it brings the truth into our mind and establishes a stronghold to resist the temptations of the enemy and the lies that try to attack us. And so we're washed by the word. As you take the word in, as you read and believe that Jesus died for your sins, as his blood cleanses you, you, when you confess your faults, you can receive the forgiveness and know that God is working and he hears your prayer because you're praying those things that he is desiring to be done in your life. In 2 Timothy 2.21, Lita, thank you for giving us that at pre-service prayer at, uh, on Wednesday. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter iniquity, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So why cleansing stream? So why say cleansing stream? Why not? We're going to take communion right now and maybe the ushers can pass it out. And maybe you can take a few minutes and, and hold the elements in your hands and maybe, maybe you've been thinking like, ah, do I want to do cleansing stream? Do I not want to do cleansing stream? I'm good enough. I've been a Christian a long time. But maybe there's some secret things. Maybe there's some deeper things that God wants to bring freedom to you. And just be praying about it. Maybe there's some things today that you're wrestling with. You could just say, God, I, I want to deal with this. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I want you to deal with it. I want to change. Pray about those things as you take communion. Offer it up to him. God's going to do a work. God knows what he's doing in your life. He's faithful. (coughs) That little piece of cracker represents Jesus' body that was broken for you when he was whipped and beaten, broken for your sins, broken that you could be healed, broken that you could live the life of freedom that Adam and Eve could have before they fell, broken so that you could be restored, broken that your family line could be restored, broken so that generations after you could have a different life. Maybe you're the first Christian in your generation starting a new generation. You're bringing hope for your future. You're bringing hope to them. You're bringing the proper change to the world because you're letting Christ have your life, his body broken for you. No matter what your mind tells you, no matter how convicted you feel, no matter how dirty you might feel, his body was broken so that you can be clean, so you can feel free, so you can be happier than any person on earth. Jesus took your sorrow. Maybe there's grief. Maybe there's loss. Maybe there's betrayal. All the different things that affect 
our emotions and cause us to be unhappy, cause us to be weighed down by oppression and discouragement. That's why Jesus' body was broken. He loves you. You're precious to him. He wants you to have freedom. Maybe you have disappointments as a Christian and you don't see things happening the way you'd like. Surrender your will to him. Surrender your questions. Let there be any offenses between you and God. Let them be melted away. Forgive God for your misunderstanding of what he's doing. Believe that God is good, that his plan for you is good, that he has blessings that you have not even come into yet, that he's going to turn your sorrow into joy. He's going to take off those things that have discouraged you and the weights that you've carried because he loves you. Let the lies of the enemy break off because God loves you intimately. And you're going to have eternal life through what Jesus did on the cross for you. You're going to have peaceful existence. You're going to have such excitement and joy in eternity. You're going to be so overwhelmed because things you didn't even know you're going to like, he's got prepared for you because he knows exactly how he made you. This body was broken for you. Go ahead and take that. Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you that you broken, your body was broken for us, whipped and beaten for our healing, bruised for our transgressions and our sin, to wipe out everything that was against us, everything in your word that we've broken. God, that we might be free. Thank you for your body. Thank you for making that sacrifice. Thank you that you took upon yourself the sins of the whole world, my sins, all my past sins, all my future sins, every sin I'll ever commit, you took it to the cross that I might be free from them, that I might not be separated from them. Bless each person, Lord, as they've taken. Now as you hold the cup, that blood is what cleanses you from sin. It makes you righteous. It makes you holy. It makes you pure. It washes over you. The blood of Jesus, the most powerful thing, through the blood there's life. Life that's coming to you. Do you feel discouraged? Do you feel like you don't have life? Do you feel like you're in death? Do you feel like a cloud hangs over you? Lord, today lift the clouds. Let the blood of Jesus bring us to that place of righteousness, Lord, in our understanding and our feeling and emotions. Let there be a Holy Spirit work today in every one of us, Lord Jesus, of returning to you in our confidence, God, of lifting off the burdens. I pray over people today who are carrying weights and decisions and they're, they're in, in distress of life and distress of decisions that must be made, even distress of decisions that are made over them. And I pray for the freedom, Lord, the freedom in you, Lord, to let you cover every person that's over them, to cover every decision that's been made about them, to, to cover every decision that they must make, that the wisdom of God will rest upon them. And the things that have been heavy will get life because you're carrying their life. You're carrying their load. You're carrying their burden. And you're going to change things that have been oppressive. You're going to change things that have been in their life. God, we thank you for those promises, God. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit that's constant, daily, and no one can take you from us. Bless this cup now in Jesus' name. Take it in faith.